So welcome to this edition of Talk To Me with David Ward, and we have a special guest, David Wilcox here. Welcome, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, David. So I just want to dive right in here and sort of, uh, can I ask you, you know, when you were growing up, where did you grow up and sort of your first experience getting into music? Um, well, my family moved around quite a bit. Um, um, my father, you know, changed jobs a number of times. We basically vibrated between Montreal and Toronto and settled in Toronto when I was about four and a half, I think. Um, and uh, uh, my mother and her family, who were the ones who raised me, my parents split up fairly early, um, were from Czechoslovakia. So the first music I heard was polkas and classical music. They were very interested in classical music. You know? And sort of when did you first sort of pick up a guitar and say, you know, like this, this is something I can do or I really want to do this? Well, along came Elvis Presley, you know, and uh, he really made a deep impression on me. Uh, I, I just thought he was wonderful. And what did Elvis have but a guitar? So I bugged them until they got me one when I was about 10 or 11, I guess. And what, can you describe like what the Toronto scene was like when you were a teen? Did, did you play in some indie bands or sort of how did it get started for you? I was on the folk scene mainly. I would go down to Yorkville and uh, I played in little bluegrass bands and uh, a lot of acoustic music, almost entirely acoustic. Um, and uh, I, when I was about 21, um, a friend of mine, or 20 actually, um, a friend of mine uh, got, had a pawn ticket on a Telecaster, a Fender Telecaster, and said, uh, look, I'm going to lose this guitar unless somebody wants to give me, I think it was 100 bucks or 125 bucks, and they can have it. So I did it. I scraped the money up and, and got this uh, Fender Tele and a little amp, and I was fooling around on it. Um, just, I don't know why, just to experiment, but I, I had no great calling to the electric guitar. And then I heard that um, Ian and Sylvia needed a guitar player. And they were some of my favorite musicians at that time. And I really admired the guitar player they had, Amos Garrett. He was leaving. They had, or Ian had a television show called The Ian Tyson Show, which was um, uh, telecast throughout Canada on CTV and also in parts of the U.S. And Amos played on the show, and they would back guests such as Dolly Parton. Or no, they didn't back up Dolly Parton, uh, but Anne Murray. Um, she was on the show, though, Dolly was. Um, uh, Anne Murray, uh, Charlie Rich, Bobby Bear, all of whom I got to play with, right? Because I phoned Ian Tyson. I wangled his phone number and wangled an audition and got the job uh, within, 20, uh, within two weeks of my 21st birthday. And that was one of the most amazing things that ever happened to me. Can you describe sort of walking into that audition? Do you remember it? What was it like? Yes, I remember it very vividly. Um, I was terrified. Um, and I didn't know how to turn the amp on because I had played almost no electric guitar, right? No, I didn't say that, but that was the reality. Uh, so I played, and I still, the only reason I can think of that I got the job is probably because I didn't try to look good. I tried to make Ian sound good. Like, in other words, phrase around the voice or something? I don't know. But they hired me, and I deserve an Oscar because uh, um, I was on the steps of the house after the audition, and Ian hadn't told me I had the gig yet, but uh, um, on the steps of the house he said, if you get this job between now, July, and Christmas, you'll make about $8,000. Is that okay? Um, now, the most money I had ever, ever made in my life was in a bar when I was 17 playing the guitar with fake ID, or playing the bass, yeah, very badly, um, uh, with fake ID, saying that I was 23, you know, and uh, uh, I'd made $100 that week, which was an awful lot of money for me. So to say that to me, and I, 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 my, I kept my face fairly still and said, yes, 
<laughs> but inside, you know, it was like somebody was giving me Buckingham Palace or something. So what, what was it like then, all of a sudden? Like, you're literally, instead, are you saying, like, overnight you're in a fairly recognized band? You're, yes. on, you're on television. Well, being on television was fabulous, even for two seconds a week, which is what it, you know, I'd, I'd play a little turnaround or something. But the effect was amazing. Um, there was a, a, a girl at the bank I thought was pretty, a teller, right? I'd pass her these little notes with my deposit and poems and stuff, you know. And eventually, she, one day, she said to me, are you on TV? <laughs> you know, and we went for lunch, you know. So it was really cool when, and for a 21-year-old, you know. Um, and traveling around, but all of it, I'd been on a plane once, I think, when I was a child, I was flying to Washington, D.C., meeting Waylon Jennings, uh, you know, I mean, it was really great. Now, the downs, or the difficult side was that the musicians were all older and much better than I was, and that was terrifying. Um, in those days, eventually, a man named Ben Keith joined the band, who was a great, great musician. He was Neil Young's band leader for a long time, played on Patsy Cline records, stuff like that, and he was a fabulous musician. He played the steel guitar. So in those days, the, the guitar, in country music, the guitar would play eight bars and the steel guitar would play eight bars, or vice versa. And the thing is, I mean, his sound was so angelic and simple and clear, and, uh, and then I'd have to play, or vice versa. So it was a real, it was a tall hill to try and climb. And so you were in Great Speckled Bird then, that was in the 70s, so yep. at what point uh, did you start to feel you wanted to start writing your own stuff and maybe go solo? Well, um, I was playing my electric guitar and discovering that it took a lot more ability than I thought it did, being a bit of a snob, frankly, as far as the acoustic goes. So I'm playing the electric guitar and discovering that it's really fun and, and really interesting. And so um, I decided uh, to, uh, well, eventually I decided to, to leave Ian and Sylvia on very friendly terms because I wanted to play more and experiment more. And I got into a communal band for a while, and then I was hired by Maria Muldor, wonderful singer from the U.S. who had Midnight at the Oasis for a while. And I just had all these ideas, and uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I had a, a, well, my first wife encouraged me to go and try it. And I figured, okay, I'm a side person here. This is my gig in life, and if I go in front of band for a couple of weeks or whatever, however long it works, um, uh, then my singing will improve, uh, and my playing will improve because I'll have to solo more. So I'll just do it and try out some of my ideas. And that was 42 or 43 years ago. Do you remember? So you, you know, you did your first debut album. You had you had three hits on your first album. Do you remember? Recording that, what did you think was going to happen before you released that first record of yours? I was unsure because it was very difficult to sell. Um, everything was disco then. And so people, the record companies didn't really want what I had. And eventually a small label signed it. And really, we already, had already recorded it. Um, and uh, uh, it took two years to get a label to release it. I actually recorded it in 78 and it was released in 80. And uh, they released it and it sold quite well, you know. And that convinced a bigger label to sign us. And that's what happened. And do you ever remember feeling in Canada, disadvantage being a part of the Canadian music industry. I know you had obviously played with some pretty big name people at the point. But you ever ever feeling like 
Mm, it's, it's a bit of a disadvantage being in Canada. I think that's a partly a myth, or a largely a myth, because, I mean, yes, there are r roughly ten times as many people in the U.S., there's also ten times as many artists. Uh, you know, and so uh, I'm, I'm a very grateful Canadian, and especially when I see what's happening politically in the U.S. Uh, and in other ways, uh, I belong here and I like it very much. Now, do, uh, would I like it if my music was suddenly a big smash in the U.S.? My ego would like it. Um, but everything comes with a price tag, you know. I was watching that wonderful documentary by Ron Howard on the Beatles, and they paid. The Beatles paid personally and uh, uh, as human beings to, for that experience, as we all pay for all our experiences, you know. Can you think of any really cool experiences that you had in the studio? Is there anything you remember about cutting a record that took forever? Something went wrong or someone that played or is there anything that stands out to you about studio work? Um, my friend Colin Linden put it, I think I'm paraphrasing here, but in the way that sometimes there's somebody else in the room. When you get something really magical, it's as if there's a presence in the room and something happened that the two or three or five people that are there aren't capable of. Do you have any things that you like doing besides music? Oh yeah. Um, well, I like uh, very much working with recovering alcoholics and drug addicts, which I am one. And um, I spend quite a bit of time doing that and that's really uh, a major focus in my life. Um, I, uh, I like to go for walks, I like to go to the movies with my wife. Um, she doesn't like horror movies, I do, um, so I generally see them alone. But we like to go to the movies a lot. What do you think, this is kind of a weird question, what do you think was the best time period in Canadian songwriting? I can't point to one. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, great songs are being written now. Drake, I mean, there's so many artists who write wonderful songs. Uh, so how do you compare that to Joni Mitchell, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, great songwriters, uh, you know? Uh, so I don't think in terms of eras too much. I've definitely seen major changes uh, you know, sometimes I get asked, uh, what's the biggest change you've seen in the music business since you started? And I always give two answers. The first one is that um, when I started, there was a network of little bars uh, throughout southern Ontario. Apparently a third of the population of Canada lived in the horseshoe around Lake Ontario. And there were dozens and dozens of little bars where bands could work and make a subsistence living. I mean, you're not going to get rich, uh, and some of them were pretty funky, and the accommodations were pretty, you know, messy. But uh, the fact is that you could work and live doing that. That's gone. So I think it's harder, especially for a front person, to get started now, you know, uh, because I got to learn how to work with an audience. You know, you have a heckler. Right? But the thing is, and you want to, you know, take care of the heckler, but you don't want to, uh, him and 20 friends waiting outside when you finish afterward. Or humiliate the person because you're the guy with the mic, so you'll look like a bully if you do too much that way. I mean, it's just one lesson. But there, you could learn all those lessons about how to work with a crowd and feel them out and see what kind of song they want next. Um, the other change is the internet. When I started, there were five or six major labels um, that basically controlled um, popular music to a large degree. And we all knew bands and artists who were really superb who didn't get signed. Didn't get a chance, you know. Or as somebody said, got signed and didn't get promoted. I'm one of the lucky ones. I got signed, I got a chance, and it worked out for me. And I'm very grateful. And is there any, uh, anybody that you do like to listen to now? Is there any current music that you sort of 
Ed like Sheeran, her? wonderful. Lady Gaga, like her very much. I listen to a huge spectrum of music and only a small part of it comes from now. Um, I listen to roots music a lot, to classical occasionally. Um, I was I'm John Philip Sousa, uh, ragtime, anything that strikes my fancy. David Wilcox, thank you very much for joining thank me. Thank you. Thanks for having me.